The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Kroll Call, she's sleeping with her cousin's man. We'll find out what General Hospital's Brittany Sarpy has to say for her alter ego, Valerie Spencer. Then, does Twitter need to shake things up in order to keep us all interested in tweeting? Kevin Paul Scott has the inside scoop. Then, we'll talk about cheesesteaks and the Liberty Bell with playwright Lyle Kessler. That's what's coming up today on Curl Call. everybody, welcome to another edition of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. I'm here every week for you to hang out with and start your weekend off right. We are back live this week after taking kind of a break last week for the July 4th long weekend. We had a special music episode last week. We do them on all of the holidays so that you guys have some fun stuff to listen to. It was an Independence Day playlist I was playing music from some of the biggest musicians who got their start in groups before declaring their independence from the groups and breaking off to become solo artists. There was music from Michael Jackson, Beyonce, Stevie Nicks, Jody Watley, George Michael, Paul McCartney. Did I say him? There were a lot of great songs. If you miss the show, if you want to listen to some of the great music, you can head back to our archives at crawlcall.com. Click on the show. There are all of the shows that we've done right there for you. You can listen to that. You can also check out some other music episodes from back in March. We did a Motown special back at Thanksgiving of 2014. Lost hits of the 80s and 90s. I also did a Soap Music Show with Richard Sims of Soaps in Depth. Some really good stuff there. And there are also what we're going to be doing today. Interviews, including a couple of weeks ago, General Hospital's Michelle Stafford was here. We'll be talking in just a couple of moments with her co-star, Brittany Sarby. She'll be here. We are also going to be talking about Twitter today. You know, a lot of the promotion for this show and certainly for the stuff that I do on SoapCentral.com, we go to Twitter to promote links to articles or interviews or to chat with the stars and live tweet. But is Twitter on its way out? Well, don't sound the alarms just yet. Kevin Paul Scott will be here to tell us some of the things that he thinks Twitter needs to do in order to sort of reinvent itself, keep itself fresh, and keep people wanting to tweet. Then, coming up later in the show, Lyle Kessler will be here. I found out that he is originally from Philadelphia. So, in addition to maybe talking about who we think has the best cheesesteak, if he is so inclined, and the Liberty Bell and Betsy Ross and all that other stuff, we are going to be talking about his new project, his new play that will be hitting the stage 
coming up later this summer. But before we get into any of that, let me give you all the details on this show. We broadcast live every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, so give us a listen. If you miss a show or if you want to hear it again or if you want to make sure that uh, a friend or family member gets to hear it, send them to krollcall.com. That's the place to listen to all of our shows. Or follow us on Twitter at Show. Remember to add the show because, as we've said from weeks past, Kroll Call is some want-to-be ninja. He has threatened to throw throwing stars at us if we tweet him. I don't know. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But either way, it's at Kroll Call Show. And if you want to follow me for whatever reason to follow the insanity or the snacks that I'm eating, I'm at Dan J. Kroll. So that's all been said. That's been put out into the universe. What do you say we get on with this week's show? I had a chance to talk with Brittany Sarby, who is a newcomer to General Hospital. She joined Earlier this year, in the role of Valerie Spencer, she came on at a time when we were learning all of the past that went on with Luke to make Luke Spencer the way that he is. Of course, now we know that Tony Geary is leaving General Hospital coming up later this month on the 29th is his last air date. But Brittany is going to be sticking around. So Valerie Spencer will be up to all sorts of shenanigans, as you may have witnessed Recently on the show, when I had a chance to chat with Brittany, none of the on-screen, shall we call it a fair, shall we call it uh, one-night standing, we could call it hoeing, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. But none of that had happened, so she sort of teased it. But let's now take a listen to a chat that I had a little earlier with Brittany Sarpy of General Hospital. Hi, Dan. This is Brittany Sarby. How are you? I'm good, Brittany. How are you? I'm good. I'm sorry. My phone died for a bit. <laughs> That's okay. So if you're, <laughs> if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Let's go for it. All right. So, Brittany, as is usually the case when I'm talking to someone for the first time, I you know, read their bio, maybe I, I hit the Google and, and see if there's anything fun that I can learn to uh, talk about for the Getting to Know segment. So, that being said... Have you ever Googled yourself? I have Googled myself. Did you find anything <laughs> interesting? Um, nothing too crazy. There's a couple of pictures out there from like five or six years ago that I would prefer not to see anymore. But <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with the Internet. There's always something out there that, you know, that you either don't want there or you'd like something else more <laughs> recent to pop up in, in place of it. Eh, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. Right, and a bad but thing. you're like stuck. <laughs> well, there is that. It's I mean, there, it's there. Yeah, well, okay. So one of the things that I found that maybe or maybe not uh, something that you are interested in, and this is with all respect to Glinda from The Wizard of Oz, but your first acting role was a witch. So were you a yeah. good witch or a bad witch? I was a weird sister, which is what they're <laughs> called. It sounds from like that. <laughs> um, so I think they were kind of bad witches. They were they were fun though, but yeah, Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that you know that's a good thing. Okay, so I'm picturing you know uh, green skin and in a pointed hat oh. and all sorts of other things. No, okay. <laughs> no, not not your your Disney witch. More of an a classical witch, if you will. Okay, and that was your first real sort of dabbling with acting. It was. It was. 
So, so uh, exciting. With that, I mean, up until a certain point, this was high school play, correct? Yes, that was high school. So that was my freshman year. I was, what, 14, 15? Okay, so prior to that, uh, you know, usually kids have an idea of what they want to be when they, they grow up. For you, uh-huh. before acting sort of came into the picture, do you have any sort of recollection of what you thought you would be for a, for a job? Yeah, you know, it's always been performance-based. So okay. I have a background in dance, um, hip-hop, jazz, modern, and ballet technique. So I kind of have been, I was teetering between either dance or acting and you know, I think that's kind of when my world lights up and when my passions are really ignited is when I'm kind of in front of a crowd, in front of it, on a stage, being able to just kind of evoke my emotion in a very pointed way. So for someone who enjoys dance, do you enjoy any of the dance competition shows on TV, like the, uh, you know, Dancing with the Stars, So You Think You Can Dance, uh, Dance Crew, anything yeah. else? I mean, those shows are great. I wish I had more time to catch them, and I, I, I'm not an avid viewer of, of um, a lot of reality TV, but I used to love So You Think You Can Dance years ago. That's a really cool show. Okay, so maybe not having a chance to catch anything reality-based on the TV, did you know anything about General Hospital before you had the chance to join the cast? Yeah, I have a, my, my family actually is a big soap-watching family, so all my children in General Hospital were shows that were often on TV growing up. So, yeah, I knew a lot about them. So And you, you hit pay dirt, I mean, with the role on GH, the daughter of the amazing Dee Wallace, the niece of <laughs> Luke Spencer, played by Tony Geary. I mean, you couldn't yeah. have asked for a better role. Yeah, I, I really couldn't have. I, I think I really, really feel in alignment with what a Spencer is and carrying on that legacy. And I, I love everything about my, my character, about what she's about. She, I mean, she, she reminds me a lot of myself. I mean, there are some differences, but I think, I think yeah, Valerie and Brittany are a great team together. <laughs> what's uh, one of the ways that you're f- similar and what's one of the ways that you think you're different from Valerie? I think we're both very passionate. We wear our heart on our sleeves. We're go-getters. Um, we care a lot about people that we spend our time with. And we're, I think we're also both very tough. Um, we're your tough kind of girl. We're not, not really meek. <laughs> um, and then differences, let's see, Valerie's been a little um, guarded. I, I think she, she grew up with her mom and hasn't really experienced much more than that. I'd say I have a, a little more life experience than Valerie does. Um, I, yeah, I think she, she, she's going to kind of maybe run into trouble with not having as much experience in relationships and, in, and anything outside of the world that is taking care of her mom. Having been familiar with GH, uh, I guess this may have meaning for you on, on multiple levels, but Tony Geary is now leaving. You know, you just yeah. join on, you just become part of his family, and he's leaving mm-hmm. the show. Any thoughts right now on, uh, on his departure? I mean, I think he's, he's done an amazing job, and he's been there for as long as he has, and he's a legacy character. I think he's leaving the show in an amazing standing. I think he's you know, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of adding to what will be lacking in that Spencer category, um, you know, bringing in new Spencer blood and, and what that means. So I, I think it's, it's something to be celebrated for sure. Going back to D. Wallace, of course, in the movie E.T., uh, I, I'm sure I've seen it, you know, probably more times than I count, uh, can count. <laughs> I'm guessing you've seen it as well. 
Oh, yes. She's an icon. She's amazing. She's amazing to work with as well. Um, she's sweet. Uh, she gives you so much in her eyes. And, you know, we had a lot of touching scenes together where she had to, you know, die. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, with that said, like, she gave me a lot to work with, even though at, you know, one point she was just, you know, a lifeless body. But she, she's very good. She I mean, she didn't. She didn't have to die. I mean, she. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the way it's what written. was written. That's, that's <laughs> how these things work. I wish we we had a choice to keep her longer, but I'm you know, gonna, it, was, it was amazing working with her. I'm going to put that on my list of things to talk to Ron about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bring D back. Take that. <laughs> okay, so again, you know what? Told you. I've done the research. I've seen on your resume that one of your uh, your special skills are dialects. So, uh-huh. it's oh, time gosh. for a little bit of a challenge. Of course, the, one of the most famous lines from the movie E.T. is, E.T. phone home. So, Brittany, your challenge. First of all, can you give me your best E.T., your best E.T. phone home? E.T. phone home. That's wonderful. Okay, this is going to be fun. Well, we'll see. How about we'll say, uh, you know, you can also do a New York dialect. Being on the East Coast, I can't wait to hear what you hear as a, a New York dialect. Can you do a New York E.T. phoning home? Okay, let me do my New York E.T. phone home. So, E.T., phone home. <laughs> I feel like you're uh, Denise <laughs> at the moment, but okay. Uh, let's do a Southern Bell, sort of a southern accent if E.T. was a little more demure. E.T., phone home. Okay, we'll do maybe <laughs> maybe one more. You can also do British. If uh, E.T. was picking up the telly, what would he do? Let's see. If E.T. was picking up the telly, he'd say, E.T., please phone home. Thank you for, uh, you know, it's one of those things. In the accents, sometimes for me, the, the either work or they don't. I usually end up sounding like the Lucky Charms leprechaun, so I don't really do them that often. <laughs> yeah, I like to, like, maybe rehearse them a little before. <laughs> definitely on the spot. <laughs> well, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to end up on Google in, in a reel anywhere or anything like that. But, uh, you know, thank you for, for being a good sport and uh, E.T. Yeah, of me. course. Now, we don't want to talk too much about story points on GH. Ron and, and Frank would come and take away my supply of snacks, and that would leave me very sad. <laughs> so we won't do too much of that. But there were a lot of questions from fans when I said that I'd be talking to you today. One of them was sort of, uh, you know, are you prepared or were you prepared or do you even really care by the fact that Valerie... Uh, could be a spoiler in theory for Lulu and Dante. Are you prepared for what might come from Lulu and Dante fans, the Lante fans, if that were to happen? Or um, how do I answer that? I mean, I think that it's already kind of been a, a manner of contention. Um, just with, you know, I think, any time a female is a friend with a male, and there's you know, a girlfriend or a wife, in this case, involved, then there's going to be a little bit of hesitation with what the relationship means. So I think that's kind of what's happened. And for Valerie's character, I think she's really found a friend in Dante. He really understands what she's going through and losing her mother. Um, I think he's, you know, he's just there for her in a way mm -hmm. that maybe no one else in Port Charles has been able to be there. As, uh, Sorry about the traffic. 
No, as Freud might say, sometimes a friend is just a friend. So with that, there's a bit of a mystery going around about who Valerie's dad might be. Rather than to speculate on who it is, if you could cast anyone in the entire world as Valerie's dad, who would you pick? Anyone that uh, is up there on your, your list of, I would love for this person to be my on-screen dad. I mean, in the entire world, let me think. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like Morgan Freeman to be my dad. Can we work that out? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've always said that, you know, he's going to play me in my biopic. We look nothing alike. I mean, you know, but... But he can do, he can do no wrong. He can do anything. He's got great range. I yeah, mean, you know, maybe not as much as the Rachel girl, but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, speaking of mystery, I have to say, I took a, a look at the matchmaker reel on your website. Uh-huh. Know, I knew from the beginning, I was wiggling my finger at the screen saying, Mm-mm, there's just something, something not right about this ice cream girl. <laughs> Right. And then I watched. Sweet, right? Yeah. And then, you know, as it got on, and then, of course, it ended before I was ready for it to end. I was very upset. Talk about Matchmaker. For not, for the folks who haven't had a chance to see it, and they really should, what is Matchmaker? Um, Matchmaker was a short that I did um, with, when was that? Maybe, it might have been a year ago. Um, but, you know, it got put on hold because our director and writer ended up picking up another project. So this was more of his passion project, and he ended up um, getting a project where he got paid. So, but it's a really cool um, film. It, was, it just basically centers around a guy who does matchmaking in L.A. in a kind of twisted way in that he kind of serves as someone who orchestrates what we call in the industry like, um, how do you say it, kind of relationships between directors and actresses and things like that. Um, <laughs> and he, he finesses relationships in order for girls to get parts and mm. things like that. And to get anyway, parts, that's, huh? That's mm. his job. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, it's a thing that kind of happens in the industry that isn't talked about as much but it's yeah it's definitely a darker film yeah but i i play someone kind of trying to help in his life because i'm being i have a sister who's being held hostage and i'm forced into the situation to basically see help Get rid of him. <laughs> I knew that there was more than ice cream. I mean, it's never just ice cream. It's more than ice cream, yeah. Okay, so we'll have to hold off and, and hope that, that uh, we get to see some more of that coming up. But Yeah, hopefully. Great director, Sean Hart. Can't wait for that. Now, some of the other things about you that folks may not know is that you are passionate in sharing your time with causes that mean a lot to you. A couple of them are, one, I know that Finola Hughes is a part of, but the Art of Elysium and Operation Blankets of Love. Let's talk, uh, which of those do you want to talk about first? Um, I mean, Art of Elysium is kind of the one that I'm I'm most involved in. Um, we, We basically donate our time. Uh, to arrange from children who have special needs, also um, children who are terminally ill. So we go from we go to schools uh, for special needs children, and we also go to different hospitals, and we perform for them. We make them laugh. We make them happy. We give them kind of the the art. 
um, that they don't get to see every day. So we, we put on a show, we get a small script, and whoever's there acts the parts out, and we get to dress up. And, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really rewarding. It's really fun, and, and I've created a lot of relationships with some of the kids there, and it's, it's really nice to, to brighten up and lighten up their day. And I think something for that, too, we talk a lot about volunteerism, but one of the things that is important to remember is that it isn't always about money. Uh, a lot of folks will say, I'd love to do more, but I don't have the money to be able to do that. And this, in this case, yeah, in things like this, sharing your time in some cases can be worth a lot more than any dollar value. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we just started working with um, like more of an outreach, so we're working with um, kids that are in that are at risk. So even with that said, it's you know this is changing lives, and it doesn't cost money. It just costs time. It costs your energy and you know your 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 good heart. I think that that's important. It's all about you know showing that you care. Now, one of the things I was going to go sort of out of order here in what I was going to ask in my head, but this is a perfect segue. One of the things that we've started to do. It's a new campaign that we are encouraging people to share with us stories about people who've made a difference in their life or uh, letting people have the opportunity to thank someone who and to tell them, you know, maybe how much they mean to them. I'm curious for you. Uh, I realize this is completely off uh, the top of my head. Is there anyone for you? Is there anyone who has made a difference in your life who you would like to take an opportunity to thank or is there anyone who maybe you'd like to share just how much they mean to you? Um, I'd say maybe a little bit of both. Um, sure. The person who always pops into my head when, when questions like that are asked is always my father. He's, he's been the most pivotal person in my life, and he's a lot of who I am and who I've become. Um, he, he's amazing. Um, he's taught me all of my hard lessons, and he, he helped define the character and the uh, the maturity and the, the type of woman that I've become. So I'm, I'm indebted to him. All of my success can be definitely attributed to him as a source. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Now it's time yeah. for the much-anticipated speed round. Brittany, okay. five questions from all over the place. Some have also been submitted by fans. Don't know where they're mm -hmm. going. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, remember you said that. So the first one, what is your favorite can't-miss television show? We know it's not reality TV, but for you, uh, what's a show that you, you absolutely have to make sure that you catch every episode? Um, Game of Thrones. But I haven't seen the finale, and I know this is backpedaling, so don't tell me what happened. And I have an idea of what happened. Don't well, tell me. Stay off the Internet. It's everywhere. <laughs> So, yes. I'm trying to. If you notice, I haven't tweeted in a while, fans. <laughs> well, that explains a lot. We'll let, uh, you know, if everybody just keep tweeting. She'll get to you eventually. Don't worry about it. Okay. So, <laughs> this is backpedaling possibly even more than that. Do you remember the okay. first album or CD or whatever the kids are calling it now? First album that you ever purchased? Um, mine was a tape. It was a single back when it was cool to buy singles. Um, and it was Brandy. The boy was mine. Not a single. Get out. <laughs> it was a single. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had sedingles. I'm not sure that's what they were called, but I had CD singles as well. That goes back to the day as well. Yeah, you know. <laughs> go-to snack. When you are munchy, what's your favorite go-to snack? Go-to snack. I love 
cashews and um, walnuts. I was going to phrase that differently, and I took it back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm hungry. Oh, this is, I should never ask about food on this. This always ends badly for me. Okay. Least favorite <laughs> household chore. Least favorite household chore is probably the dishes. I just don't like to, I, I get my manicures and then they're going to stop. For me, it's always, no matter what I'm washing, I always somehow manage to cut myself. Break a glass, grab a knife, gouge myself with a spoon. It never ends well. Yeah, that's a worse problem than I have. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just sharing. Sharing is caring. And finally, (laughs) the superpower that you most would want to have. Oh, I would love to read mine. That's, that's one. Let's practice. What am I thinking right now? You said you were hungry. <laughs> You're still thinking about those walnuts and cats. <laughs> it's usually true. I'm actually thinking about a cupcake. That and that, <laughs> sadly, the speed round is over, and that means that uh, we're out of time. Okay. But well, is I there a lot of fun? Well, thank you. Anything else? I'll give you the last sh- opportunity to have the last word. It'll never happen again that I give someone the last word. So, <laughs> anything that you would like to say to your fans that. who uh, are missing you because of the fact that you're avoiding social media so that you don't have the whole life of, of television ruined for you? <laughs> I know. Um, I thank you for your support. Um, keep watching the show. There's actually a lot of fun, exciting stuff for Valerie coming up um, this coming month. So please tune in. You don't want to miss it. Well, that is a definite never miss a day of GH. <laughs> Brittany, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me today. And hopefully, thank you. You can, uh, we'll chat again in the future and there'll be even more fun speed round questions. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Bye. Bye. Remember to catch Brittany and the rest of the stars of General Hospital every weekday on ABC. Check your local listings for the time and channel in your area. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more of this week's Scroll Call in just a moment. Stay tuned, everybody. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Hey, 
everybody. Welcome back to this week's edition of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. We are waiting for our next guest to call in, Kevin Paul Scott. If you are out there and you are listening, we want to talk to you. So give us a call in on the line and we'll talk. But since this is live radio and one has to go on with the show, as tradition says, I'm going to fill air until our next guest calls in or until Kevin Paul Scott shows up. What am I going to talk about? Well, I have no idea, but that's actually part of the pleasure of having this show because you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. So let me first do a little guest update. I mentioned in the last segment that uh, Brittany Sarpy and I had talked a couple of uh, bits ago. It wasn't immediately live on this week's show because she was not available to be here because the show was working. I will say that, uh, you know, in that course of that interview, Brittany wasn't able to say all of the things that were going down between her character and the character of Dante on General Hospital. So if you sort of go back now and listen to the interview again, if you have the opportunity to in our archives at CrollCall.com, you can sort of read between the lines. It was funny for me listening to what she was saying and how she was saying it to sort of apply it to what's going on now. She'd said things along the lines of that uh, Valerie really didn't have a lot of the experiences and how she deals with relationships and people. Well, if you were watching GH today, it looks like, you know, Dante may want to hide any animals that they have in the house because they may be in danger if Valerie snaps. I don't know that she will. I'm not trying to give away any spoilers, but that is the case. Kevin Paul Scott, as I mentioned, was supposed to be here with us today. Even though he's not, I can still give you some information about some of the things that we were going to talk about because I've got to say his book is, he has two books actually, but the reading them for the show, I do research. You know, I, I don't necessarily read a lot because I do a lot of reading and writing for work on SoapCentral.com, but I did do some reading to prepare for the show. He's, his latest book is called The Leper's Lessons, and it has a whole, starts off with a, a whole story, a historical perspective, and I have to tell you that the book itself has five chapters, each with a question, and I thought that they were interesting to read to all of you, the titles and the questions, because they may be questions that in asking yourself these questions, you might be surprised by the answers. Uh, of course, it's great to have an author's perspective, but, you know, I write things, so we'll call me an author for the purpose of today. The book starts off with the first question, why am I still alive? Sort of an interesting question. I, I don't know if anybody else thinks about it. Maybe it's an age thing. Now that I'm over, I have a four in you know, front of my age, uh, 474 probably. But it is something that I often wonder. You know, you sit down in your moment of, of quiet solitude, you're doing your work on your website, you're, you know, reading a book, you're watching the news, whatever it is that you're doing, and you sort of have to wonder, what am I sort of putting out into the universe? What is my purpose? I know that that sounds awfully philosophical and awfully big talking about on today's show, but, you know... I think that's a lot of something that a lot of people ask. If you're on Twitter, tweet at Crawl Call Show or at Dan J. Crawl. Let me know if that's something that you think about or if I'm the only one over here who's got too much time on their hands to start thinking about this. But the second question in the book is, why do I do what I do? For me, I'm going to say that, why do I do what I do? I love what I'm doing. 
Now, I know that not everyone has the opportunity to truly enjoy what they do. It may be that you're at a job that is sort of a stopgap between the job that you had, had previously and maybe the job that you desire. Maybe you're having a job, maybe it's a part-time job. If you've retired and it's something to fill your hours in your day, I have to say that you know, when I started this show here first as Soap Central Live in 2010, and then when we transferred over and changed the format so we could talk about more things to make it Kroll Call back uh, what, October 2014, so it's not even a full year, I never really thought that I wanted to do this show, uh, particularly on days when <laughs> guests don't call in. That's more of a thought than others, where you're like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, it was for me... Having the site, at that time, I'd had SoapCentral.com for 15 years, and I never really wanted to be the face of anything, even though it was mine, and when I'd go to the Emmys, people would know that it was me, and you know, for I'm thinking of a lot of people out there who are small business owners, you become the face of your company, for better or for worse. Even, you know, that's not always the case either. Even with large corporations, Donald Trump has become... Certainly, he's the face of his many, many companies, but as you've seen in the news, sometimes that can cut against you. He has said some things, and people have not liked what he's said, and they've cut ties with him, particularly over the uh, Miss Universe pageant, and you know Macy's has cut ties with them, the golfing tournaments are cutting ties with them. But I say all that, you know, it's a lot of pressure to do that, but for everyone out there, even if you're not your own business owner and you want to know why do I do what I do? It may not be that. It may be you're doing the, making the same mistakes over and over and over again and you're wondering, oh my God, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep going out with the uh, bad date, that bad guy, that bad girl and, and keep doing it over? Why am I making the same mistakes? Again, this may not be what Kevin Paul Scott wanted you to get out of his book. This is what I'm getting and he's not here to give you all that information, so I'm going to sort of uh, give my take on it. The third chapter of his book is called, Why Do I Have What I Have? I also think that that isn't just necessarily about the material. It may be everything else. For me, I've learned way too many things from doing my website. I've learned the advertising. I've learned the writing. I've learned the marketing. I've learned how to fill 15 minutes of air on radio shows. I've learned a lot of different things, things that I never thought that I would have to. And it isn't just that. It could also be why do I have what I have in terms of, of negative. The last chapter in his book is called why am, What Am I Carrying on the Journey? It refers to a lot of the baggage that we are carrying with us. And why are we carrying them? Why are we making the same, same mistakes? I will uh, pass along sort of a, a, an abbreviated tale. A friend of mine named Pam, she and I had a discussion. We both have uh, parents, in both cases, or fathers who were not exactly the best fathers. And she is older than I am. And the discussion that we had is, you know, we're at a certain age. And a lot of people will blame their current situations on something that's happened to them in the past. Maybe it's they had a, a, a bad childhood. And they will move through their life and continue to blame or uh, attribute everything that's happening to them now on something that happened in the past. And for her and I, we both looked at each other and said, you know, we're not at a point now where we're 30, 40, 50 years removed from something like that, that we're going to continue to, you know, I didn't make the, the light turned red before I got to the intersection. It must be because uh, I, I had a bad childhood. Well, no, um, we've had that discussion of why do people do that? Why are some people better able to move on 
and be able to move away from that? And why are some people stuck in that they can't move past certain situations? And I guess the question to ask would be, why are some people in that situation? Again, these are all the things that I've gotten. The book is called The Leper's Lessons. It's by Kevin Paul Scott, who unfortunately could not be with us here today, I'm guessing. Uh, He could maybe be in a different time zone, and we'll call in in the next hour. And I'm not entirely sure what the show after me is. It used to be a sex show. They're gone now. It's something else, I'm sure. And he may call in, and they have no idea who he is. But in the meantime, his book is available on Amazon. Barnes and Nobles. It's available in Kindle format and iBooks. That is all I have for Kevin Paul Scott. But because we are talking about someone who's from Philadelphia in the next segment, I want to talk about something else that's a little strange to me that's happened. I don't know. Again, you can tweet along. I'm reading the things that you're saying about my, my vamping and my comments here, but I'm curious for you. Does anybody out there have the ability to conjure up things? Not necessarily in a, a witchy, witchcrafty sort of way. I ask because um, Monday, Monday evening, my neighbor and I were out walking the dog, her dog, not mine, and we were wandering around and chatting and coming up with different stuff. And we saw in the, the back of our, near our homes, an old well that had been capped off. And we started talking about baby Jessica. Does anybody remember baby Jessica when she fell down the well? That was a long time ago. I'm sure there's a whole generation of kids who like Britney in the, the last segment, we're like, ah, what's an album? Yeah. Well, baby Jessica, somewhere, I think she was in Texas, wandered off, fell down a well. It was this whole like, week-long thing of can they get her out of the well, and they were digging holes. Anyway, we mentioned that and said, did I, that we haven't had anyone fall down a well in a long time, and we should keep it that way. Fast forward to the next day, the big story on the news here in the Philly area was that a child had fallen down a well. I feel as though I've brought that on. Don't know that I have, but to conjure it up the second night, on the second night when we were walking and talking about the child who fell down the well, we'd also talked about an old property here in Philadelphia. It's called the Divine Lorraine Hotel. It's pretty, pretty glamorous. It's fallen into a whole bunch of state of disrepair. Google it. Uh, if you have a, a chance, check it out. Divine Lorraine Hotel. And I had mentioned that it was a shame that this was such an eyesore, but I felt that if the time were right, somebody would rehab this majestic building and, and bring it back, but it would probably cost a lot of money. The next day, out of nowhere, they announced that some funding had been put in place to be able to rehab the Divine Lorraine Hotel. Don't know what the, how that was happening. As we were walking, mentioned we hadn't seen any slugs or any bats in quite some time. Well, <laughs> a bat flew by, and I swear to you, dropped a snail on her head. At least I hope it was a snail. I don't know what it was, but this is my story. I'm asking all of this to say, do you believe in the power, the ability to conjure up things just by mentioning them? Are you someone who said, you know, you can look and say, you know, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a while or think it or mention to a friend. And sure enough, within a couple of days, that person will call you on the phone. What do you think causes that? Why does that happen? I don't know the answer to that. That's why I'm asking you. Tweet me at Kroll Call Show or at Dan J. Kroll if you prefer and you can give me more information about that. We are going to take a quick break. We are hoping, at least I am, that Lyle Kessler will be here with us in the next segment. If he's not, prepare for me to make some random crawl calls to random people. If I have your number, if it's in my phone book, you may be getting a phone call very shortly. Stay tuned because this week's episode of Crawl Call, in some way, shape, or form, will be right back. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. EverydaySoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Crawl Call. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Crawl Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. You heard me vamping on the air in the last segment. The good news is that I won't have to do it for this segment because our guests are on the line. But with all of the, the stuff that I was talking about conjuring in the last segment, I wanted to sort of work that into my introduction for this segment because have you ever experienced a sense of deja vu? You know, something is happening and you feel like you've experienced it before. Or what about going someplace that you've never been before, but you feel like you've been there before and you sort of know your way around? That's kind of what's happening here with my next guest this week. He's a playwright, a screenwriter, and an actor. To the best of my knowledge, we have never met before. But his face looks familiar, and when I found out that he is from Philadelphia, it made me wonder if somewhere, somehow, Lyle Kessler and I haven't crossed paths in the past. So we're about to find out, and he's brought along a special guest that he's going to introduce. But, Lyle, welcome to the show. It's, it's a treat to be on the show. I'm, I feel I'm like I know here. you. I'm sitting here at Lyle Canyon. We pulled over to be on the show. Well, good. I appreciate that. So rather than let your... Uh, let, I'm going to give you the opportunity because you have, as I mentioned, a wonderful and amazing special guest who's, you know, probably in the car with you, I'm guessing. I'll let you introduce her. Uh, well, the, the guest is my wife, Margaret Ladd, an extraordinary actress, uh, Broadway shows with uh, Geraldine Page and on the television show Falcon Crest for nine years, and we're back in New York now. We live here, and she's doing a, a ton of work, and I'm working on my plays, and, uh, and here we are in L.A. for my opening tomorrow. I'd Hi, imagine. Here I am. Hello. Thank you so much. This is, it's great. It's like a two-for-one. Uh, and <laughs> two great people to talk to. Not nearly enough time, so we're going to zip around here. It must be on the eve of opening. I'd imagine there's a lot that's going on. Are there still things that are being fine-tuned or tweaked, or do you just sit back and say, it is what it is, you know, uh, everyone is, is a professional and is doing the best that they can? Well, that, that, that's true, but I, I never sit back when my play is opening. In fact, we were on our way in from, uh, we're staying with an actor friend, Paul Ben-Victor, a wonderful actor in uh, Topanga Canyon, and I was driving in for the rehearsal because I have some changes that they're going to do. Tonight's the second preview. We have two previews 
and then we open, which is tough. But uh, the play's in really wonderful sh- shape. Uh, Dave Fofi's done just an extraordinary uh, job directing these wonderful actors. And and but you know I I you know the day before we did the first preview yesterday, I cut a few pages on the ending, and we were working on that, and then we took a look at it and. Today I'm I'm driving in because we're going to make some changes in the very beginning, and uh, so when you see the previews of a play, that's when you know you know what you need to fine tune and where you need to go with it. So these are crucial uh, rehearsals, but we'll we'll be, we'll be working right up through uh, tomorrow the opening. The plays you know, last wife, I uh, I had a thought about something, but I thought should I exactly what you thought? Should I say it or is it too late or should I not? Uh, put my big uh, mouth into the situation, and then I decided, well, the, the play is what's important, so I'll, if, it, if it's not a good idea, he'll know it, so that's the conflict always. Can you fix it in time? And But it's just in great shape now. And she had a, she had a great idea, you know, she had a great reaction to seeing it, and, 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 and she mentioned something which I fixed, and she's in a tough position. She's the first person, human being, to, to read a play of mine when I finish, so she's always in trepidation of what should I say, what should I say. I, I give her a hard time there, that first opening moment when she reads my the, the first draft. Have you ever had to bite your tongue, Margaret, or do you, after you know being married, you just know, say... You know, I'm incapable of biting my tongue. <laughs> I, I, I want to bite my tongue, but something in me makes me open my mouth <laughs> and start laughing away. <laughs> Let me let everyone know that it's called The Great Divide. Now, I'm reading the synopsis here, and this will appeal to a lot of people who are listening. I'm going to say, it says, In this dark comedy of brawls and baseball, Coleman is called home by his brother Dale to mourn their father's untimely death. Everyone is listening, going, oh, this is sad. The next line, but miracles abound in Fishtown, Pennsylvania, as the old man is resurrected just in time for uninvited company. So he isn't really dead. He comes back. Is this part of the secret that they need to go and, and figure it out on their own? Can you give us a hint? Well, you know, it, it, the play is about family, love, and and, and, and the, he brings him back. And one of the sons has, has run away for 10 years because the, the father is such a dominating guy. He's a baseball-playing Philadelphia Phillies fanatic and and he lives and breathes baseball, and very controlling. And he was brought back by with his death, which is not his death. But uh, but the play is very very funny. It's it's very dark. You're, the people that come into the into the play that intrude a woman and a man are uh, sort of on a lamb, you know, and uh, very inter- very uh, exaggerated characters. And uh, and uh, the the play. Works on many many levels. It, it uh, it's sort of like in the world of my other play that has a big international success, which is Orphans. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 got layers of reality. It's exaggerated. It's mystical, but it's got a, at the heart of it a real core, strong emotions and feelings and passions. And I think I think it's it's quite moving. It's a beautiful play. It really goes right to the heart of uh, you know. It's both a very down to earth and then very uh, universal and and almost uh, spiritual. Hmm. Uh, I mean, not to read too much into this, but I have to ask: their father's untimely death. It has nothing to do with the fact that the Phillies are thirty games below five hundred, does it? 
<laughs> well, I tell you, when I was a little boy, my father took me to see the Philadelphia Athletics, and they, at that time, they were in last place for uh, for ten years, and oh. I would have to sit through a Sunday doubleheader and seeing them lose ten to zero or, or <laughs> ten to one. And but I was there with my father and eating the hot dog, so it was great. And it's about baseball. <laughs> And I have to say that uh, for folks who may not know who aren't from this area, Fishtown is a section of Philadelphia that is, I mean, at, at one time, no one, I don't think, really would have chosen to be there. However, now it's one of the hottest spots in Philly. It's got the, you know, the nightclubs, it's a casino there, there's all sorts of things. So, you know, it's kind of interesting how things change just even in the course of a couple of years. Well, you know, I have the, the idea of Fishtown. It's a Fishtown that is, is still dark and, and, and dangerous. And, uh, uh, you know, when I wrote my play, Orphans takes place in Camac Street in North Philly. It mm-hmm. was sort of a, an imaginary, it was a thing of my childhood. And so the, the, the this uh, the director and, and his actress wife, was a, they're from uh, Finland. It was a big hit there for two years. So they came to the exact dress on Camac Street that my play was, but they didn't realize that it turned into a very dangerous area, and they they, they practically got out with the, the, the hair of the skinny skin, the hair of their head, you know, it was, uh, but, so my my plays are based on reality, but they're like imagine, imaginary, you know, so it's a fish town that is uh, still on the blink, you know. I want to pick up on, you'd mentioned the word imaginary. I feel that we have to at least talk about the Imagination Workshop, something that was founded in 1969. Can you let, uh, which, I'm not sure which one of you wants to handle this, maybe Margaret, can tell us a little about the Imagination Workshop? Well, it, it's, uh, it's about theater, um, and it actually came out of the theater. I was in a play of UNESCO uh, at the Berkshire Theater Festival, and he was there, and and it's a wonderful theater festival, and there's also a, a hospital there, a psychiatric hospital, and uh, where actually James Taylor was there. And uh, it's and uh, he he this is public knowledge. He's he's mentioned it before, but it was a, a really um, uh, we saw a moving play, and uh, and and somehow out of that, for all these years, it's still in existence. The Imagination Workshop, and they've done. Statistically, it's the only arts in, in program that they've actually done scientific research to show that the arts somehow have a strong effect on depression. So for anyone out there that's got depression, do the arts. And, uh, it really helps. Yeah, the, the, the specific phenomena that makes it work is what the actors brought in. They brought in, they gave the patients, and some of them were severely ill uh, and regressive, and they would give them characters to play in a structured imagination, like a race car driver or uh, a circus performer, and they would meet and talk. And, and these patients who were very ill and depressed, uh, in the guise of the characters they were playing, you would never know that these were the same patients. In the characters, they, they were able to uh, express feelings and thoughts and needs, and so the hospitals were, were, were dumbfounded. Well, how is this happening? Why are these patients that are so that have been diagnosed as unable to even have with thought disorders and not able to have you know cognitive thoughts able to clearly articulate uh you know these thoughts in in the characters and so it was a real phenomena you know we 
Uh, you know, it, it's amazing. It's been running. It's the longest running arts program in, in, in the world at this point, you know, mental health and arts. I notice that we are coming up here. We only have about two minutes left. Uh, something that we're talking about that. The Great Divide is going to be the last performance at Elephant Stages. Am, am I reading that correctly? You, this is this is so it's so terrible. Dave Fofi has single-handedly run this theater for 19 years, doing some of the most cutting-edge plays in, in, in Los Angeles. And so the landlord is selling the building. And my play is the last play that they'll be doing. Now, he's going to be moving. He's going to be trying to have other venues. He still has a company, but they had three theaters there. And, you know, nobody seems to know about this. There's no publicity. There seems to be... I mean, it should be a big event here. This is a major, major... A theater in in uh, L.A. I mean, this this man is is amazing that he's uh, that he's been able to keep this thing running for for nineteen years. So it, it's very very sad. Well, I will make sure that we post some information for folks to know more about that and maybe in some way get involved. As I see that we're running out of time, we'll do the two things. We'll say first, break a leg. But second, when you come back to the East Coast, if you make your way to Philadelphia, we have to go and settle the great cheesesteak battle or, or find something else to do. <laughs> I'd love to have both of you down, hang out, and we'll find out if really we have met somewhere along the line or in a past life or, I don't know, whatever the case is. It would be great to do this play in Philadelphia because that's its home base. We would love to have, we would love to have you. I'll put bugs in people's ears if I have to. <laughs> thank you, Dan. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Lyle. Thank you, Margaret. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. With that, we are out of time for this week's show. I want to thank my guest this week from General Hospital, Brittany Sarpy. Remember, you can check her out weekdays on ABC. Check your local listings for the time and channel in your area. For Lyle Kessler, Margaret Ladd, The Great Divide runs now through August 29th at the Elephant Stages in Los Angeles. As you heard us say, this is the last play that will be taking place there. So if you want to support it, if you want to go for one last time, if you've been there before, it's in LA, go and check it out. And we'll have more information on crawlcall.com. If you've missed anything else, please head over to crawlcall.com. It's also the place to listen to any episode of the show that we have broadcast, including this one or any in the past. It's completely free. Go to crawlcall.com. Follow us at Show on Twitter. Next week, Martha Madison is here to talk about her return to Days of Our Lives and a lot more. Hopefully, all of our guests will show up. So until then, I'm Dan Kroll reminding you that the next time the phone rings, it may be me looking for a guest. So pick up the phone. It could be the Kroll Call. We're into home, we're into home.